tomorrow the flood from there is nothing to fear by santissime read by sam gabriel based on the works of jk rowling chapter 2 victor crum a contact sport my friend Victor wrote. As I write to you, I am below the waves, and my words are lit by the glow of the Tsohar. Too far removed to know what has become of you since we last spoke. I suppose that I will owl this letter anyway when I am able, for all the good that it may do. But I know there is not much point in doing so. Victor continued to write in vague circumambulations never using one word where three might do, so that he could write freely, write truthfully, without coming to trouble for it. Harry was lost somewhere in Europe, well away from Durmstrang, and might never receive this letter. Nonetheless, Victor wrote for a long time, until his hand cramped and his eyes drooped. "'I hope that you are all right,' he finished. And then he spelled the contents into gibberish and sealed the parchment with a second charm. Sometime later he was roused from sleep by a knocking at his door. Dude the Canhampus stood on the other side, faces cold and serious. "'It is late, isn't it?' Dudek said, as if he hadn't noticed the time until he saw the hour on Victor's face. "'I'm sorry, only we were thinking all this time about the Dimitri, and—' "'It isn't the case that Dimitri has been hiding in your trunk, is it?' asked Tampus, and her mouth briefly, weakly twitched into half a smile. For a moment Victor wondered at what they might suspect, and then pressed his worries away. Unfortunately, it is not. Esfir wrote to Dimitri's family before we left Britain, Tudek said. But we won't hear back from them until they next delivery to Durmstrang. The Polyakovs wouldn't know anything, of course, not that Victor could say so. Dimitri was still at Durmstrang, and probably hadn't gotten a chance to send a letter to his parents or cousins, even if he'd wanted to. Mail was only delivered to Durmstrang every couple of weeks. So even if Dimitri had heard that Harry was missing, any letters which he meant to write would still be waiting in Lansbian to be picked up. I will be traveling extensively this summer. I'm sure that I can visit the Polyakovs in person. Your team is going to play in Sweden this year? asked Dudek. No, but it will be close enough for me to meet them anyway, Victor said. And then Hampus raised the rumor that Dimitri had been arrested by British honors. Esfer has a cousin who works for the Forestry and Lakes Agency, Hampus mentioned. It isn't much, but he's a secretary to the great officer there. And she could pass on a message to the Chancellery to agitate on Dimitri's behalf. It didn't take any special effort for Victor to look worried for Dimitri. His concern was genuine, and while he mostly held it for Harry... Victor still worried for Dimitri himself, and the circumstances that his friend had unwittingly been thrust into, but all the schemes that the three of them discussed would come to nothing, because Dimitri was at Durmstrang, and it was Harry who was missing, under circumstances unlike anything that they had suspected. When the ship arrived at Durmstrang, its crew and complement were greeted with the news that Magnus Undheim, the head of the astronomy department, had been selected as the school's new rector. The appointment was mildly surprising, 
Less startling was the accompanying revelation that Unheim planned to tighten the school's admissions requirements and permit only purebloods, and this was a grudging concession to some of the fence-sitters, or so Victor gathered, the children of alumni, whatever their blood status. The precise definition of pureblood would be decided later, over the summer. Victor did not have time to inquire further because he and Dimitri spotted each other. They embraced as long-separated friends, and then separated themselves from the rest of the crowd and levitated Victor's belongings to his room at Durmstrang. It was not a little unsettling to see Harry's face again, and Victor had to consciously remind himself that Harry Prince is gone, location unknown. The boy's face was uneasy in turn, but it hid well until they passed into Victor's room, and the door was shut. "'What did you do?' Dimitri hissed. His voice, filtered through Harry's body, twisted between anger and terror, would have knocked Victor to the floor if it were any harsher, and Victor was unable to reply immediately. "'Harry did not follow the plan, as he is not standing beside you.' "'And the news is that Dmitri Polyakov has mysteriously gone missing,' Dmitri said, almost hissing by the end. "'Was the rector a part of your plot as well? How much did I not know?' "'I can assure you that Rector Korkorov had nothing to do with us. "'I know nothing more than you on that matter except for what I saw. "'You can imagine how it might make me wonder hearing that both of you apparently are trying to kill this tall middle person, that the devil take me and all this for a school teacher. "'He is not just a school teacher. "'Well, not anymore. "'Not since everybody has decided to make his life so much more interesting this year.' "'Harry's face scrunched up. "'I should have said no as soon as I knew that you two were going to get involved in politics. "'Maybe he's retired,' I said. "'Maybe he does not want to go killing people anymore,' I said. "'But nobody listens to Dimitri, who's only a drunkard and a fool, "'and now you have roused a dragon!' "'If you had seen what I have seen, "'you would not be so sure that Riddle was happy to pass his life in retirement.' "'But we will not know that for sure, will we?' Dimitri huffed. "'Still, Harry ought to have left well enough alone.' The world is big with shadows enough to hide in for a hundred years if he liked. Did I not say this as well? You know that this wasn't about him. What about his father, then, since this godforsaken plan was for his sake? What is he going to do when he knows that Harry is gone? What is my family going to think, and what is my story to be if I return? Dimitri groaned. There's a ray of hope in that I was going to graduate, so at least I do not need to worry about my attendance at Darmstrang next year. Some people believe that you fell in love with a wizard visiting from the Atlantic Commonwealth and returned with him at its end. Harry's face was slack as Dimitri considered this. Very well, it is plausible. Neither is it so terrible an idea. Perhaps I'll go to the New World after all. There are plenty of people in Alto Brazil who speak Norwegian, and Europe does not seem so safe a place anymore. Dimitri paid a withering glance to Victor as if he were personally responsible for the trouble. In fairness, Victor might protest that Riddle had planned for politics to begin with, but he could not say that he and Harry had not affected circumstances at all. "'Whatever you need to accomplish it, I will secure this for you,' Victor promised. "'I have enough hairs for now. I think I'll need to write some letters to my family at some point, but no one is looking for Harry Prince right now. I think I'll get out of the country all right.' Speaking of Harry, I know little more than anyone else about his whereabouts, only that he has not been arrested in Britain. I am worried for him. 
God is on high and I will be far away, Dimitri said. I certainly hope that all will be well with Harry, but do not be surprised that I want nothing to do with this. Frankly, he can go to Switzerland for all that I care. His hands tightened into a fist and then relaxed as his shoulders slumped. If you ever see Harry again, give him my best. Victor had little time or will to speak with friends after that. Everyone assumed that it had something to do with Dimitri, and it did, actually, to a certain extent. But it was not just the burden of worrying for Harry. Dimitri had little interest in sharing that burden, and that was understandable, because Victor might have helped to ruin two lives, not just one. At least neither of them were dead, presumably. Upon returning to Bulgaria, Victor scarcely had enough time for his mother and grandmother to greet him before he was summoned to Drianovec for Quidditch. Bulgaria had won the Quidditch World Cup last year, by the skin of their teeth plus a few bones, and the sporting culture despot would have liked to see him at practice a month ago if he hadn't needed to finish his last year of school. The next cup was three years away, but its image was clear in the gazing crystal of the government, which was no less hungry for national prestige than any other country. When he joined the team, only two of its members were familiar to Victor. Krasimir Sedevchov, a chaser, and Saska Radoslavova, beater and team captain. Serafimov had retired, but the sorry fact was that the rest of them had been replaced. Until the sport and culture despot assembled a Bulgarian national Quidditch team next year, there would be three Bulgarian teams, playing against each other and in regional tournaments while the individual achievements of their players were measured and weighed. It was no wonder that some players were missing from Victor's provisional team when they hadn't even been good enough for substitute positions the previous year. They played against another of the Bulgarian teams to inaugurate the season, and Kalyan Slanina, God rot his soul, was there to midwife it. I watched your performance through the whole Triwizard Tournament, of course. It was a pity that you couldn't win it, Slanina said. He had spoken with everybody, a quick word and a handshake, as he impressed upon them the importance of winning the cup in three years' time. But never mind that you're going to be flying for Bulgaria again. With you flying as our seeker, the World Cup is as good as ours. Victor would have liked to spit in his face. He would have liked to quit Quidditch forever if that were dirty Slanina's name. But the crumbs had been as poor as they were pure, and the Bulgarian government had helped to pay his way through Durmstrang. The tuition could be quite expensive for a family that lived outside its catchment area and had no alumni among their ancestors. He was free to quit before his contract was finished, but then they would be free to turn their prior assistance into a loan and demand that he pay it back in full and with interest. "'I'm looking forward to it,' Victor said, while he wondered whether Slanina's ash-blonde hair would keep that color if it were burnt to cinders. Two weeks later in Rabobarzevin, a wizarding hamlet in the south of Poland-Lithuania. Before the team departed, Serevchov met with Victor privately. "'I want you to keep this snitch on cut for as long as possible,' he said. "'Fly for it, sure, but miss. At least for the first couple of hours.' Victor almost asked why, but then he understood. His own position on the future Bulgarian national Quidditch team was just as secure as their slot to the next Quidditch World Cup— but the victory which had guaranteed Bulgaria that slot had nearly slipped through their fingers like Peru had slipped so many quaffles through their hoops. Bulgaria needed the best team possible, and that meant giving everybody a chance to play their roles. 
Their performance that day was abysmal, thirty points to the two hundred points scored by the Rabobar Barbarians, whose seeker caught the snitch while Victor dithered. But all bad things had their good side. Rumor had it that Slanina was furious. They played in Zelenarus, and in Transylvania, and in Hungary. He dove for a golden glint beneath the waves of the coast of Kakan, and his broom swept the underbrush and dodged the branches of Biawovieza, and he cut through the wind above the Polesia marshes, and so much of it, so much of the time, might as well have been happening to someone else. He was hardly a seeker anyway most of the time, just a wizard on a broom until the clock ran out and he could do his job. But that wasn't the problem. It stuck in his craw, but Sashka had a point, and he could live with it. But what Victor remembered best was not the flying, not the competing, not the thrill of whisking above the water, or the peace of hovering beneath a gibbous moon while he tried to spy in its light the golden snitch, hurtling through the clouds and spiraling into grass, winning by centimeters and a few tens of points, or breaking his leg or nearly slipping from his broom in the fatigue of a days-long game. What he remembered was not the games, but the news between the games, which was bad so often. It roared from the headlines, and it was muttered in the changing rooms, and it was argued in the coffee houses. Further proof of mudblood Grindelwald's conspiracy, proclaimed Vox Respublica while the wireless was abuzz with talk of nighttime abductions by riders on black brooms and pure-blood babies swapped with muggleborns, Letters from Hermione were some of the only bright things that he read. She was doing as well as anyone could have hoped under the circumstances. It was clear that the British government was interfering with her correspondence, with redactions and the occasional interpolation by another hand, but Fleur had received letters from her as well and Fleur assured him that the letters were authentic, regardless of the peculiar but blatant alteration to Hermione's signature. But in the meanwhile, there was only news. You cannot trust these people. Do you think that the Granger girl is the only mudblood Briton to have infiltrated their society? said the scratching, hoarse voice that played at a Serbian cafe one afternoon. They were talking about Death Eater spies in Western European governments, Victor believed. It was not enough to send him walking out, though Victor hated to hear it. There was so little he could do, he felt compelled to at least gather information. But he couldn't bear to pay a single kyatka to the ghouls who published such drivel, so he kept his ears open and filched a newspaper where he found one unattended and discarded. A bit, death unlikely to be blazed its headline. Sova Belida is the fifth friend of the maligned Igor Karkaroff to die a purported suicide in the past three months. Can we doubt that any other's hand is in it but that of the British mongrel Thomas Riddle? The article continued in this vein for some time, and the remainder of the traditional Novin was no more edifying. The details were everywhere different, but the message was the same. No matter whether the enemy were Bogomils or an Egyptianist conspiracy or simply a civilization of death. When Victor had finished his survey of the news, he used it to clean some spilt coffee, then vanished the rag, set out a few coins for the coffee and a nut roll, and left. Outside, the temperature was pleasantly cool, a relief from the roasting heat of the day's sunlit hours. No doubt some of that had to do with Victor's acclamation to Durmstrang, but still... He would have liked it better if the next game were going to be played somewhere northerly. Instead, they were due to play outside Redan, 
and the week thereafter they would go further south, to Hellas. It took several minutes for Victor to realize that he was being followed. In his defense, his stalker was a hooded owl, but as soon as his gaze fixed upon it, the owl dove with a seeker's grace, falling almost to his hands and rising up again, as if it had been pulled by an invisible puppeteer. Only after it disappeared did he realize that the owl had put a letter into his hands. He slid the tip of his wand across the seal to open it, then read by wand light. Victor, he read, and his eyes flickered to the end. There was no signature, but the handwriting gave away Harry's identity. Everything is well, the letter began. I am safe, or as safe as you could believe me to be, with my disposition. You may find it more assuring to know that I am under adult supervision again. My father sends his... Here there were several attempts at a word each scribbled out in turn. Acknowledgements. I know that I've made a mess of things. And I'll try to make it up to you and Dimitri. I'm trying to do that now. But don't worry. Adult supervision, remember, and one of them is my father. This can't go as badly as the last time that I tried to fix things. He read the letter thrice to commit it to memory, then set fire to it on the spot. For the full text of this and other stories by the same author, visit the archive of our own page of Call Me Saltisidae. The music is Amon Ra by Day's Witch under a Creative Commons license with assistance from 1T1. If you would like to commission me to record a story, voiceover, or character, please get in touch with me using the contact information on my website, which is located at sangabrielvo.com. And there you can find other stories that I've read, as well as links to my Patreon page, to which I hope you consider subscribing to support me, and my Discord server, where I record things live for your enjoyment. And finally, as always, Thank you for listening.